Hello everyone and welcome back to Fast Charge episode 40. 40. I'm pretty pleased with that. Uh, we are still going strong. Um, right at the top I just want to let everyone know this is a US election safe space. We will not be mentioning it beyond this moment for me to mention that I do not intend to mention it again. Uh, so let's just uh, nix that right out of the gate. Uh, I'm joined this week by Toddy and Jim. Hello. Hello. Uh, and we're going to be breaking from Fast Charge Tradition a little bit at the beginning uh, to talk about a game console, which is not a phone. Um, but A, there's not that much big phone news going on at the moment. B, I've got Xboxes here and I kind of want to talk about them. And C, I think this kind of works because this is the first console generation that feels a little bit like a phone upgrade cycle or at least we're getting closer and closer towards that and some of the questions you might ask yourself about deciding to upgrade are kind of similar to the ways you might think about upgrading a phone but we'll get into that in a bit uh, once we are done talking xbox we are going to turn to the moto g9 power which was announced today this is yet another Moto G phone rattled through several G9 phones so this many. year and several G8 phones <laughs> this year. And we've already got the first leaks about the G10. So, I mean, the Moto's just throwing Gs out the window. Uh, and then finally, we are going to look ahead to the Galaxy S21 or maybe S30, but probably 21, uh, which is looking like it might come as early as mid-January, which is very much sooner than you'd normally expect to see the next S series. Um, we now have a pretty solid idea of when Samsung are going to announce it and even sort of what the phone's going to look like and what the specs will be, at least based on leaks. Uh, right, Xboxes first. Uh, so there are two new Xboxes coming out. The review embargo was today, so I'm allowed to talk about them. I've had them in my house for a few days and I've been playing around with both consoles. Working hard. They launch... Yes, yes, working very, Tough very hard. Up, Someone's up, got to do up it. late. Playing Halo and Gears for work. It's it's been grueling. It genuinely has um, there by the sounds of it, though, to be honest. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You sort of joke about it, but equally there's this weird thing playing games to review, whether it's reviewing the games or it's, reviewing consoles. It's not fun. Where it's not fun. <laughs> no. And you know, I sort of say, Oh, I'm playing Halo and Gears and all this stuff, but actually it's sort of like I've got a list of all the games I can't have access to. I know which ones are sort of optimized for the new hardware, and it's like, well, I've got to play those. And I've got to try something that's backwards compatible. And I've got to try something that does this feature and something that does that. And so what you do is play like an hour or two of each thing and then flip to something else. They're not necessarily the games you want to play right now. Like, I know the game I want to play right now. It's the Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope. I haven't been able <laughs> to play that because it's not useful for my Xbox review. So I played an hour of that and then it's been sitting there and I'm looking forward to actually going back to it tonight and getting to play like for the fun of it. Again. I mean, you can't, you can't play that in 120FES. <laughs> Uh, no, funnily enough, they did not optimize that mid-budget horror game for like 120 FPS. And, I mean, and the... it also goes against the kind of cinematic feel of those games as well, I suppose. It wouldn't quite be right. <laughs> uh, anyway, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, they are both out next Tuesday, uh, November the 10th. Um, so really, really soon now. This is kind of, it snuck up on me after them being in, in the pipeline for absolutely ages but very suddenly they're actually coming they're actually going to be consoles to play really really soon um i guess the sort of top line summary for me is don't buy either of them right now um and if you are going to probably buy the series s Ooh. the cheaper one okay um which is not 
And the important bit of that is the right now, right? It's not that they're bad. It's not that you shouldn't buy them. And if you've got the money right now and if you've got a pre-order, then sure, go for it. Like, still spend that. You won't, you know, you're not being shortchanged or anything. But if you haven't managed to get a pre-order and you're stressing about getting one of these consoles soon and they're going to be hard to find and supplies going to be short, like, don't stress because it's really not going to make a big difference to your life. There are no new games that are exclusive to these consoles. And that's not true for the PlayStation 5, which is going to have, there are going to be some games you can only play on a PS5. But there are no games you can only play on an Xbox Series S or X. Why Every is that? single game is... What's the reason behind that? It's a few things. It's partly a... Uh, partly Microsoft doesn't have the, the library of exclusives that Sony has. So it's not in as strong a position to sort of carve some games out and say, this is Xbox only. Um, in a way that Sony can with Ratchet and Clank and Demon Souls, which are the two big prominent, like straight out the gate, PS5 only. Sony also has the new Spider-Man spin-off, Miles Morales, but that's actually cross-gen, so that's on PS4 too. And Horizon Zero Dawn, sequel. And there'll be Horizon Zero Dawn next year, though also on PS4. And God of War 2 next year, though that one won't be on PS4. So we're in this weird position where a lot of games coming out are going to sit across both generations, and Microsoft more than Sony is leaning into that as a selling point. There's this idea of there's just the Xbox ecosystem and it kind of doesn't matter too much which hardware you buy. As long as you buy an Xbox, you can play Xbox games. And if you have a PC, you can play a lot of Xbox games. You can. And if you have a Game Pass Ultimate subscription, you can play a lot of them on your phone. And it doesn't. they want to sort of de-emphasize the hardware, which is fine, but it's a weird message to be trying to put across <laughs> at the same time as you're putting out a $500 box that you're saying, <laughs> this is the most powerful box you can buy buy this one right now you need it my question then is you know there's, there's obviously it's way too early to assume but based on the past you know um habits of microsoft we will get a revised xbox uh, series x at some point that is more compact more efficient maybe slightly more powerful just like we had the one and then the one x and you know some games worked on both or whatever um how long would you assume it would take for xbox exclusives to really be out there that are making the most of the hardware it's gonna be a little while and i guess it depends what you see as xbox exclusives so again what was going to be a launch title and you know controversially isn't is is halo infinite mm. even that was again going to come out on xbox one as well so that was going to be cross-gen that's now delayed to next year as far as we know it's still going to be cross-gen um, Microsoft initially promised basically that for the first year or two, everything would be cross-gen. Um, they have kind of then some execs have walked that back a little bit in interviews and they're being a bit more cagey about it. And it's beginning to look like maybe some games within the next year, year and a half will be Xbox Series exclusive. Um, but we don't know for sure. There's no concrete release date for anything that I can point at and say that's the first game coming out that you can't play on an Xbox One and you can play on a Series X. Well, the question for me then is kind of like you said, don't buy either of them right now. Um, mm -hmm. Why would you say that the uh, the One S then, sorry, One S? That's, that's not Series S. S. Yeah. Series S. <laughs> one S. I've gone back to the past. It's Microsoft's fault, not yours, trust me. <laughs> why Why is that one the best one? And what's the difference between the two of them for, for, for imbeciles yep. like me who don't already know the difference? So the differences are easy. Um, there are essentially four, five, 
five differences I'd, I'd sort of pin down, two in favor of the S and two in favor of the X. So the reasons to buy an S, the cheaper one is, it's cheaper. It's £250 or $300, which is, in game console terms, very affordable. Yes. That is not a lot of money. Um, it's a little over half the price of the Series X. So the S is way cheaper. It's also way smaller. It's 60% of the size, but also it's a more sort of normal form factor. I've actually got it right here. It's small enough that I can just sit it next to me wow. and grab it that like that small. and be like, cool, there's a Series S. That's it's, nice. You could sit this in a backpack. The Series X is mammoth. Um, but more importantly, it's to the shape. Um, this, again, you can see it's a kind of standard games console-y box, um, which means it will fit nicely in your TV cabinet or your yeah. media unit or however you currently store your your other game consoles or your Blu-ray player or whatever other boxes you have attached to your TV. The Xbox Series X is kind of desktop PC tower shaped. It's taller and it's wider. And for me, at least, it will not fit in any of the places I usually store the boxes that attach to my TV. So I have to begrudgingly put it next to my TV on show. I've had to move a houseplant, and I'm fuming about that. Um, and so it's just kind of this different. You will actually, you actually might genuinely have to rearrange your living room a bit to fit the Series X in. Whereas the Series S will just go wherever it is you normally put your games console. And it will slot into whatever space you normally have, and that will be fine. So those are the reasons in favor of it. Uh, the downsides of the cheaper one, the reasons you might want to pay more. Uh, one, storage space. You're only getting half a terabyte rather than a terabyte. Oh, yeah. Once you factor in OS, you're actually only looking at 360 gigs of usable space. It's not much. Which is maybe 10 games, if you're lucky. Uh, if any of them are Call of Duty games, it's not going to get anywhere near 10. <laughs> also, Call of Duty is around 150 gig each. It's proprietary expandable storage, right? Expandable storage is its own mess. So on both consoles, there's a... Uh, you can maybe see if I go the right way around. There's a little slot there. Sorry to anyone who's listening. You can't see this at all. But there is a custom slot on the back that just says storage expansion. Um, and yeah, Microsoft is partnering with hard drive companies to make storage carts. Uh, at launch, there's only Seagate who make one. It is one terabyte and it costs you £220 what? or $220 for a terabyte wow. storage. Why go proprietary? That is evil. There's no reason so the, to do that. The issue is these consoles have an SSD and they have custom SSDs that are high spec SSDs and a lot of their best features is like loading times have been slashed. Right. You can dive back and forth between games without like loading them up from scratch. It'll take you right where you left off. And they say it's going to change the way devs develop games in the future and not having to worry about spinning hard disks anymore. Sure. Um, all that stuff. But it means... If you are plugging in an external hard drive over USB, it cannot reach the same speeds. Yeah. Um, what I would say is don't buy one of those carts. They're a ripoff. 220 is an insane price for a terabyte of storage, and you can do fine with an external drive because if, as long as you have a USB 3.0 external drive, you can use that to play old games. Yeah. So the Xboxes are backwards compatible with everything from Xbox through to Xbox One except Kinect games. Um, you can play those off an external drive. Uh, they will play absolutely fine. So you could put your whole backwards compatible library onto the external drive, save the internal drive for your new games. And you can also just move games back and forth. And that is quick. So moving Horizon, uh, Horizon, For Forza Horizon 4, uh, which is an 80 gig file, 
that took three or four minutes, wow. maybe five minutes at a push Great. to move from my external drive onto the internal one. So you could just be like, oh, I want to play Forza. I know I've got it sitting on my external and you just always leave 100 gig free to move games back and forth and wait five minutes for it to do it. Make yourself a cup of tea while you do and then it's ready for you to get in and actually play the game you want to. So I would encourage people to do that. That's part of the reason I'm actually not as stressed about the smaller storage in the S as I thought I was going to be because external hard drive solutions aren't as bad as I was worried they would be. It's just a bit inconvenient. Aside from storage, then what is the top line visual experience you can expect? Assuming you have a TV that can do the most that the Xbox like Series X offers. Between the two, what's the best you'll get out of a Series S yep. versus a Series X? Um, so Series S um, is basically... The, the key thing really is, is the performance targets Microsoft has set and what it kind of tells devs to broadly aim for. On the S, that is uh, 1440p at 60 frames per second. Um, uh, some games won't be that. Some games will be 1080. So Sea of Thieves just got its sort of enhanced version for the Series S, and that is 1080p, but again, at 60 frames per second. And that's going to be the key thing. We're going to see lots of devs going for that frame rate target rather than resolution. I'd rather the that, Series personally, S I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people would. Depends on the game. Um, but... Big time. The Series S is technically capable of 4K, and in the sort of um, in the notes on uh, in the sort of reviewers' guideline notes, it does say devs have the option of 4K, which Microsoft wasn't very clear on before. But because of the performance, because of the sort of capabilities here, realistically, what you're going to see is nothing AAA or close to it is going to try for 4K. But maybe some lighter indie games could still hit 4K on the Series S if they wanted to and if they could optimize it right. That is still maybe possible, but I wouldn't expect 4K. Okay. I'd basically expect 1440 or 1080 with upscaling. So it's like the PS4 Pro. It will upscale to 4K if you connect it to a 4K TV. So it won't look as good as the Series X, but it will look better than you might be worried. Than if a you're pure thinking, oh, 1440 signal or yeah, 1080 yeah. signal. Okay. Um, and it is capable of 120 FPS. Some games at launch even do that. Gears 5, you can play at 120 FPS, even on the Series S cool. uh, in the multiplayer mode. That you need a special TV for, though. The average person, I don't even know if it's fair to say the average person has a 4K TV yet. Mm -hmm. Certainly the average TV you can buy now is 4K. But whether that means the average inside people's homes is 4K, I'm not sure. But you can't even buy a 120 hertz TV without dropping a grand or two, I don't think. And is so, it roped up in HDMI 2.1? Is that exactly an Xbox thing? Right, okay. So you've got to have the right... It's got to be not, not just the TV that's <laughs> on hertz, but it's got to make sure it's got, the, got to have the port and all of that stuff. So a lot of TVs will not actually be able to deliver this. Um, monitors can. So if you, if you hook it up to a monitor anyway, that's a different story. You can obviously get gaming monitors with higher frequencies, but TVs, yeah. Um, then the Series X is basically the same thing. Frame rate's up to 120, generally aiming for 60, but the difference is pretty much always 4K. So what you will normally be able to expect is 1440 at 60 on the Series S and 4K at 60 on the Series X. Um, that is kind of why I say, I think for me, that's the, that is the big reason to go for the X. But equally, I think for most people, saving £200, $200 to have upscaled 4K instead of true 4K, like, I think a lot of people would be happy with that trade-off. And if you don't have a 4K TV yet, then it's a no-brainer. There's no reason to buy the X. There's no reason to buy any of them, though, is there? Apart from the faster loading times? 
right now, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, the loading times are there. They are very good. That is nice and it's really convenient. And it is, you know, it's the difference between like a minute and a half going down to 10 or 15 seconds. You know, it, it's substantial loading time improvements. Um, a lot of games have had a bump from 30 FPS to 60 FPS or something like that. So if you're really keen on frame rate, then you'll see a performance boost. I think the funny thing is that most people who would buy the Series X are the sort of people who bought the One X. Yeah. And going from that to this, you'll see barely any improvement. There yeah. is an improvement, but it's so small. It's not a generational leap. It will feel a bit underwhelming. Not I think, 500 pounds no worth of leap. That yeah. was going to be my next question. You, know, <laughs> if you already have the Series yeah. X. Is there yeah. any, any reason Whereas to upgrade, if, really? If you're coming from a standard Xbox One or a One S, then you'll be getting that leap from, from HD to 4K and that will feel more substantial. But of course, you need the TV to, to uh, work with it. So you may have to upgrade your TV or spend a lot of money on a proper gaming yep. monitor. Uh, this is something that's probably tricky to convey over a video and audio form, but uh, the controller doesn't look really that much different from the previous, you know, the, the, the one controller. Uh, oh, you have the Just, white. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, really nice and white Got and black. Right here. Yep. Um, I know, I know I'm, I've read about some of the tweaks they've done to the ergonomics and I think the grips and the triggers and stuff like this. Does it actually feel any different to the older controller or like do you like it versus, the, say, the PS4 DualShock 4 controller in terms of the, the tweaks they've made or just how it feels as an, a new gaming controller? Um, it is definitely an improvement on the Xbox One pad, but it's a very slight improvement. When I pick, you know, the first time you pick it up, you'll probably be like, this is the exact same. Right. If you then go side by side, you know, I sort of sat there and went back and forth between the two pads and, and you can use your old pads with this console is one nice thing. Yes. So if you have three or four, you know, or you, if you have a couple of Xbox One pads around, you don't need to replace them all if you want to have couch co-op. You'll obviously get one new one with the console, but you can still use your old ones when people come around, which is convenient. You don't need to upgrade everything. Um, basically, all they've done is like, ever so subtly tweaked the ergonomics of the grip so it just feels a little different i'm not even sure if it's better or worse it's just slightly different um there's a sort of tactile bumpy grippy surface on the back of the grips and on the triggers and the shoulder buttons um which is nice just means in long sessions if your hands get a bit slippy or sweaty like there's it's slightly more grippy again this is a small thing uh the d-pad has changed a bit more substantially you'll see it's uh, a circular d-pad so it's got the, the bits filled in between the uh the four prongs i think essentially Really, that's good for rolling the D-pad and fighting games and stuff like that, which I think is the only space where D-pad ergonomics is really important in, in 2020. Uh, I don't play many fighting games. I've got to admit, I'm not going to pretend I'm really in a position to really assess D-pad quality <laughs> because it's mostly the button I just have to hit left on the D-pad to use a healing kit in some game or whatever. I don't play a lot of uh, a lot of competitive fighting games, so I can't really assess that, but I'm sure some people have incredibly strong opinions about the D-pad change. Um, and the only other small thing is there's now a share button in the middle, which you can just, it's a quick way to take screenshots. So press it for a screenshot, hold it to record the last 15 or 30 seconds of what happened. So when you get that great kill, you then hold that button down and it will save the last 15 seconds of your gameplay. So you can then share it. Um, that ties in, that's like, these are all small changes. I think it's a nice improvement, but Certainly anyone, say, who plays on PC and has an Xbox One pad and is thinking, oh, do I need to buy the new Xbox Series pad for my PC gaming? Like, don't bother. It's such a small upgrade, you won't notice it. But equally, once you have it, you will prefer to pick this one up over the other one. Um, one annoyance is it's still AA batteries, not rechargeable, yeah. which is insane. 
That is insane. Uh, and yeah. again, Microsoft will charge you 20 quid, 20 bucks to buy the rechargeable battery pack. Um, they've even gone and swapped it from micro USB to USB C. It doesn't matter. Oh. Because you can't charge it. Yeah, everyone's been raving about the fact it's USB C, but actually, yeah, that really doesn't really do anything. Unless you then. want to play with it wired, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Or if you buy the battery pack, but then it just. Mad, so, so the real benefit is the convenience of not having to worry about which way you plug it in if you want to play wired. Wow, yeah. that's dumb. Very, very frustrating. One, uh, or cheeky, I guess, depending on... One yeah, point, I, sorry, to cut across. You mentioned PC gaming there, and I wanted to mention it really, really briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is still really impressive how cheap these consoles are, considering the kit that's inside them. Yeah. And I mean, they mm-hmm. must be sold either at a loss or at no profit whatsoever, because, you know, you look at the latest um, AMD and NVIDIA graphics cards uh, that have just been released, and they're costing, you know, up upwards of sort of six, seven hundred pounds just for the graphics card. You build the rest of the PC around there, and you're certainly up to fifteen hundred quid without a monitor. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, okay, you don't get a monitor with the Xbox, but these things are still phenomenal value for what for what they are. Yeah, I mean, equally it's worth saying, you know, performance is a whole different ballpark uh, in terms of what a top spec gaming PC can achieve. You know, these are basically these consoles now have some hardware driven ray tracing, but it won't match what you can get on the PC. You know, it's that it the huge talking point of the Xbox is it can do 4K at 60. Um, you could have built a gaming PC that did 4K at 65 years ago. You know, this is kind of, it, it, it's, it's not on the same level. So the people who are really obsessive about it, you know, the kind of frame rates you're going to be able to hit on a PC are very different to what you can hit with one of these. But it is getting, you know, I don't know if it's closing the gap because I think PC is accelerating so fast, but still, this is definitely a big step towards catching up to be able to say, right, you can now get a stable 4K 60 FPS experience on a home console yeah. and that wasn't true before I, I think that conversation of you know the, the classic pc versus console like you're getting longer term value your money goes further if you buy a console and also mm. you're getting more convenience i would say in the fact that oh, yeah. you know developers optimize for the one set of hardware in that machine or, or two yeah. in the case of these yeah. two consoles exactly. and there's just a lot less room for error in that regard like right now i can't play not even a new, new game Watch Dogs 2 on my gaming laptop because I think it's a driver update or a Windows update, one of the reasons. So the only way I can play it right now is I have access to a, a Shadow Cloud PC that doesn't have the driver issues I currently... So, like, with PC gaming just has those inherent issues that console gaming yep. shouldn't really run into. They don't happen as much. Yeah, yeah. They I don't want to say they there. don't happen, because I know they there do. There are bugs, but... you know, but it's definitely less... Uh, and less of a Fixing them is probably going to be an easier issue for developers as well, you'd hope. Yeah. yeah. Again, there's only one or, you know in this case, sort of a couple of sets of hardware to, to optimize for, not a load. So would you say if you want a 4K60 gaming experience right now and you don't have a gaming PC, would it not be better to fork out for a couple of months of Stadia <laughs> with your old game con- controller until there are games worth getting the Xbox Series X for? I'm just I mean, floating that out there as yeah, the advocate as for Stadia. Yeah. <laughs> It depends what you're looking for. Stadia is its own weird thing. The Stadia problem for me is you're paying a subscription and then you're paying again for games and yep. you don't really own them. And at the moment you cancel, you don't have them anymore and things like that. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, the, the perk, you know, and as we just sort of say that, I think it's subscription. You, the, the big edge that Microsoft has here that beats anything like Stadia really is Game Pass. Because, yes, you maybe have this upfront cost for a piece of hardware with an Xbox, but then if you grab a Game Pass subscription, 
you're getting the the whole Microsoft, you know, everything important Microsoft has put out in the last few years, a load of third-party stuff, especially a great indie selection these days. If you go for the Ultimate Edition, you're getting Xbox uh, Live Gold as well. You're getting EA Play, so you're getting all of the EA stuff and early access to new EA games. And you're then getting the cloud gaming, so you can play from your phone, which is what Stadia would give you. Uh, and you, it gives you, you know you're going to get everything day one included that price. So you buy Game Pass, it means whenever Halo Infinite does come out, day one you've got Halo Infinite ready on your new console. Um, and I think this is also part of the killer weapon for the Series S, because before I you know, got this review unit, I don't know if I get to keep this or not, or whatever, it may be going back, but what I, when I looked towards the next gen, all my thinking was, I'm buying a PlayStation 5, and then maybe I buy a Series S, and I get a Game Pass subscription. Because it's sort of 250 quid, and then Gab Game Pass, like it's a very cheap way to have access to all of the Xbox exclusives and some other third-party stuff, not really ever have to buy any games for the Xbox, just have this a 10 or a month subscription, which you can, you know, you know, cancel points and, you know, resubscribe when you, when you know you're going to use it and that sort of thing. Uh, I um, guess Microsoft phenomenal isn't, value. isn't afraid to be the second console in the home. Because if it's still I, in the home when PlayStation isn't, like, yeah. or, or as well as PlayStation, they're still in the home. So they've, they've made that win still. I am sure design decisions around the Xbox Series S really hinged on that question of how do we make sure that everyone who buys a PlayStation also buys an Xbox? And Sony doesn't have that equivalent. It's got the digital edition of the PS5, but that's £100, $100 more than the Series S. It's not impulse purchase. It's you know, still a very pricey proposition. If you bought the Series X, I think you'd hesitate before buying a PS5 digital to go with it. Mm. Whereas if you do game a lot, buying a PS5 and then a Series S, it's cheap enough. You know, it's still a two or $300, don't get me wrong, but um, in terms of the amount people can spend on this stuff, it's very affordable. Um, before we move on to the next section, there is one question in the comments from X3 Envy, which is, um, what is the difference in chilled drinks capacity? <laughs> that's a good question i mean let's look at this that's about the width of a can so maybe what if you stack them like horizontal I think you could get two or three okay up and maybe two so i think you're looking at maybe six cans okay you get six if we're talking 330 mil yeah maybe yeah. six in the series Coke s cans. yeah and it's 60 percent of the size so that means you're at least about 10 nine or ten cans Okay. In, a, in a series X. So you can have a few buds around, just use the, the dummy unit as the string yeah. storage and then have the real <laughs> one next to it and then don't get them confused. Uh, exactly. Cool. There you go, X3MV. The, the real question's answered here, <laughs> right live on Fast Charge. <laughs> yeah. um, I do want to say quickly, like, I made that comment earlier about how this is a bit like phone release cycles and mm. I guess I should follow up on that. We saw this a bit with the mid-generation shift where it was kind of buy more hardware that does the same thing. And it's just kind of the same space here, which seems funny because this is pitched as a new generation in a way that the One X wasn't. But it feels very similar. And it feels like th th this isn't buy new hardware because it gets you new software. Like, you know, you never get... So Samsung doesn't sell you a phone by saying, oh, if you buy the new Galaxy, you'll be able to install this new app we've made. You know, generally, they're like, well, it's all the same apps are already out there on everything. Um, the pitch is your apps will run faster and smoother. This game will run a bit better. And that's kind of where we are here. It's just buy the new hardware. It does all the same things your current hardware does. It just does them a little bit faster. It loads quicker. Frame rates are a bit better. Maybe it's slightly higher resolution. It's just a slightly better version of the same thing you already have. And they'll probably keep doing that every couple of years now. 
And so it's really just that point where you hit the point where you're in the your upgrade cycle where you go, yeah, you know, now I'm ready to drop a few hundred and make the jump. Are you one of those people who wants to be there on day one? Or are you willing to wait six months a year for prices to start dropping? How urgently do you need that day one hardware rush? And you have basically the choice between the pro model and the regular model. And that kind of like, do you really need the absolute top spec one with all the bells and whistles? Or could you get the one that's a few hundred pounds cheaper, but does essentially all the same things? Again, just not quite as fast, not quite as high resolution. It's a good analogy, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it would be a very, that's a very interesting point, actually, about whether they'll uh, in, sort of decrease the, the time between new consoles. Yeah, I was wondering about that as well. Do you think that means, Dom, that they might like bring out a revised Series S or X in two years rather than five years or whatever? Like, I think three years, I think, probably is a safe bet. That's about the time frame we saw before. Um, I think the difference is, you know, everyone saw the Xbox One cycle as being this five to six year period with a mid-cycle refresh in the middle. I think that sense of there being generations is now going to go away, I think. You know, maybe this will be the last time it's really clear that there's a new generation. I think there'll be new consoles in three years that are a bit better and other ones three years after that, that are a bit better. And that whole sense of there's brand new stuff you can only do on this new stuff will just go away. It'll be kind of like buy the new ones. They're a bit better. And after a while, software support for the old ones stops. You know, they stop releasing new content for that. Just like we see on phones. After a while, you can't get the iOS updates anymore. But it, what, there won't be these clear delineations of of this is the five to six year generation cycle. It will just be they make thing they make the box a bit smaller, a bit thinner. They up the processor clock speeds a bit, and they do that every few years from now on. And mm. don't rely on everyone upgrading every time. They just rely on enough people upgrading every time to keep the cycle going. Interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Did stroke. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, we're kind of expecting to see Nintendo switch to that too, because everyone's expecting Switch Pro or something like that next year to be doing the exact same thing for the Switch. They've got to call it the Switchblade, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not very Nintendo, uh, though. <laughs> sure, we've done half an hour talking about video games on our phone show. Yes. So maybe let's move on. It's all right. Uh, we justify it because of Game Pass Ultimate and streaming to your phone. That's how it's justified in Fast Charge. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't even talk about one of the genuinely phone-related bits, which is they've completely overhauled the Xbox app and really tightened up integration there. So now you can use your phone to manage storage, to install games, Ooh. to stream games, to do all your Xbox Live chat, That's everything cool. in a new interface. Some of that you could do before, some of it's brand new. You even use the phone to set the console up. When you turn it on, it tells you install the app on your phone and set it up on there. Um, so that you don't have to sign in using the controller and the keyboard on Text the controller. You just on sign TV. in using your phone. Yeah. Wow. Because it's so much Finally. quicker. So Finally. good. So the phone is becoming a, a place in that. And they've kind of begun to recognize sometimes game controllers and console interfaces are clunky and slow and awkward. And at those points, you might actually just want to open your phone and do it all from there, which is very welcome. Mm. Uh, actual phones. Uh, the Moto G9 Power. Uh, Toddy that got announced today, right? Yes, yeah, I was uh, given a, a brief on it the other week, and yeah, the embargo lifted today. Um, it's also on sale today in a bunch of markets, um, oh, including great. the UK, yeah, which is nice. Um, it, the G9 series, I think we might have touched on it in a previous episode, but we haven't done like a section on a G9 series mm. device yet. It's weird, um, they kind of started this previously, and I've mentioned it in the episode that just when it was just Anira and I talking about the Moto G, oh God, what is it, the Moto G 5G Plus? 
Yeah. Yeah. Motorola. <laughs> Maybe. Has a, made a real mess of its names, of its product names in the G series. Um, you know, yeah. the, the G series has always been this kind of mid-range, affordable range, kind of it skirts the two. Um, always been pretty good value for money. With all of these kind of more kind of uh, subdivisions, that value proposition isn't as clear cut. And especially with the market in, in Europe and the UK, it's a lot harder to recommend Moto G devices now than it once was. Um, mm. That said, the G9 Power, um, which I think is the third G9 device, depending on the market you're in, there's also the G9 Play and the G9 Plus, Plus. I'm going to go with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no base G9 yet, but that was the same with last year's G8 series. The G8 came a lot later. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing is, um, it's got a the biggest battery Motorola has ever put in a smartphone. That is like the tagline for the device because it's got a 6,000 million power cell, which is unquestionably large that is huge yeah yep. i think the only phone i could think of at the time that had a, f- a battery that big was the asus rog phone rock phone 2 I, I know one other which is um the poco x3 but not the poco x3 NFC. oh the one in india so the indian version yes. that doesn't have nfc has a 6000 milliamp power cell and and you loved the x3 nfc just as a phone right for an affordable yeah, offering and and, and that's a 5000 uh, milliamp power battery so still uh, in massive. the NFC version still very chunky and that was comfortably two days so I'm sure the the 6001 is is a few days and that's what under 300 pounds or 300 is it uh, it's 200 pounds 200 pounds the x3 NFC right yeah. so this is a perfect competitor to that as a frame of reference um, it's in the UK it's 179 I think it is uh, and 199 euros um, in the US it's coming to the US but they haven't put a price on that yet, but it equates to about $230, so still pretty cheap. Um, it's actually cheaper than the G8 Power, which weirdly, even though I said the G8 line launched last year, the G8 Power actually came out this year. So it's been less than a year between the two yeah, power I, models, which is weird. I reviewed the G8 Power in Not March, April. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it so, feels like years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. There's a lot that's happened this year, despite us being stuck <laughs> in one place. Um yeah, it's, it's odd. I don't know why they're kind of accelerating the, the branding and then why they couldn't just, I don't know. I guess they didn't want to bring G Power G8 Power 2 to the market. But um, I don't know why they couldn't, this phone just couldn't wait till next year. I wonder if it's partly, I, the name of it has escaped me. I've been racking my brains for it over the last couple of minutes. I can't get it. But they started doing that other line of budget phones. Um They've got the, the E Vision. series. They've got the One series. The One, the One series. Right, right. And those seem to have just gone away. Yeah, they definitely have. There was like, I think we had again. That was one that kind of they they trickled into this year. I think we mm. had a couple this year, um, and then that was it. They've just kind of just petered out, and then the G eight G series yeah. slash G eight series took over for a bit, and now we've got the G nine series. And we did, to be fair, complain that the the One line was mi- getting mixed up with the G line. Mm. And it wasn't clear which was meant to be the budget line and which was the mid-range and how you should pick between a G or a 1 and that kind of thing. I wonder how much they've scrapped Motorola 1 line and maybe now it means they've got some phones that they were working on that need to become G-series phones and, and that's thrown off their, their timing maybe. I think I that, that's all speculation. That that makes sense to me. I reckon, you know, I, I was once at Motorola's office in Chicago and they took us through the entire line, which at the time I think was the G6 or 7 series. Mm. That, that was, and you know, that they have letters delineating all of the various classes. So at the time there was still the Moto X range, the Moto X Z range. range yeah, yeah. yeah, the E, which is yeah. still a thing. Um, and that was pretty clear cut. And I think the one series muddied that. And also I think the success of the G Moto G branding is so yeah. powerful in there for them that they want to, they'd rather push that out across 
a wider range of devices and price points than yep. and that was probably a decision that happened kind of throughout last year to this year which is why we've had this kind of confusing time yeah of whether it's g8 g g9 one yeah so yeah so this is the third g9 device i expect we'll see about five more before maybe <laughs> yeah i don't know march next year who knows um, it's interesting you make the point about the g brand being so well known because we've actually got a comment from um Shrey, uh mm. saying that they wouldn't consider a moto phone because they don't know them that well and they don't know much about the brand because they don't have much presence in dubai oh interesting and that's interesting because in the uk for budget phones, Motorola certainly was the dominant player Absolutely up until dominant, yeah. last year or two when sort of all the competition from Chinese brands really intensified. Yeah. And I think in the US, they still, to a large extent, are because, again, the, most of the Chinese brands aren't present at all in the US market. And so I think for that kind of two or $300 price point, you kind of buy a Motorola or maybe a Nokia yeah. if you're American, and, and that's all you've got. Yeah. Uh, um, or or the, the, the bad Samsung phones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, the 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 recipe for the for the the G whatever power is mm. brilliant, and there's so many people who love it because it's cheap. I mean, compared to any mm. flagship phone, it is cheap, um, and yet the, the build quality has always been good. I mean, you've got you've got the phone, or you've you've seen uh, not yet, but it's I'm sure I'll get it soon. <laughs> you you get it soon enough, and it can't be that different from the G8 power. No, um, and no. you know you've got. Uh, you've got reverse charging as well, right? So it's like carrying a power bank around with you just to mm. charge up your wireless headphones or whatever. Um, it's it's just, for a lot of people, it's such a such a great device at a great price. Mm. I think sure. I think especially the power models, because I think often when you talk to people who are looking at cheaper phones and ask them sort of what their priorities are, battery life is one of the things people always seem to say. And it's one of the things, Moto has good branding in that sense in that they just put the name in each thing. This is the Play, this is the Plus, it's bigger, this is the... The power and it just you know that's the one with the battery life yeah and it's a pretty strong pitch to just be like yeah it's 200 pounds and it will last you for three days yeah um, yeah and what other phone lasts three days yeah unless you're paying like crazy money for a, a samsung or whatever were you guys at ifa that i think it was ifa that year where they had the duracell concept phone that was yeah. like this thick it was amazing <laughs> i remember they that yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they tried to crowdfund it it didn't pay off but man the dream the capacity of that one oh it was it was silly it was like a hundred or something stupid yeah, they've done <laughs> some bonkers numbers yeah, yeah. um, um got another question from shrey asking how many updates we get which I, i'm guessing shrey correct me if i'm wrong but i think you probably mean software updates like how many android how many years of, of updates and android you get which toddy i don't know if you have an answer to uh, i don't think they've said specifically on this device but motorola yeah. like nokia is really good at because they have a pretty stock experience yeah. plus a few dressings yeah you usually get one i think they actually said two in the briefing if i'm i'm not just kind of trying to remember so that might not be accurate but i believe two two os updates mm. and three years of security patches and that's the line a lot of people are taking yeah. now and, and particularly nokia's pushed that hard and I think I I'm, I would expect Moto to match that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, just, because just again, it's it's one of the strengths you get from going for Motorola or Nokia over one of you know a Vivo or a Xiaomi is you're getting a pretty stock Android experience, which we're generally in favor of. And it also means there's a familiarity. You can dive between Nokia and Motorola and and get basically the same software experience, rather than suddenly running smack into FunTouch OS or MIUI <laughs> or yeah. Color OS. And going, whoa! What is this? This settings menu is broken. 
Uh, I mean, you can already hear the iPhone uh, fanboys saying, "Oh, but I, you know, any iPhone will have like three years at least of, of iOS updates." Yeah, and well, that's yeah. true. That is find true. me the two hundred pound iPhone. Though. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You've made my point for me. I mean, the, the the note I have isn't actually about how many years, but they do. The phone does launch on Android ten, not eleven, mm-hmm. with uh, their My UX UI, which is a slightly kind of more up to date, revamped version of their their interface. Um, it still feels pretty close to stock if you've like seen any of the recent Moto reviews we've done. Um, yep. But it, they have said Android 11 is definitely on there. So they haven't actually said anything about Android 12, but 11 is confirmed the moment it's available, it'll make that jump. Yep. Um, so they might get around saying two years, but it, actually that includes 11. So it might just get 11 and then 12. And that's kind of, even though 11 is yeah, yeah. already out, it's not <laughs> launching with 11. So we'll see. Um the other specs, there's nothing to, like, it really is that the battery is the, the talking point. Yep. Nothing else is, is mind-blowing. Um, only 20 watt, like, charging, which for a battery that big actually won't be super quick, I don't imagine, but it's That was fun. the most disappointing one when I looked at yeah. the specs. I was thinking they call it turbocharge. It's like, when, yeah. when other manufacturers imagine, are talking about over 100 watts now, yeah. or maybe theoretically, but, you know, 20 watts is, is so old hat. They're, they're wireless charging faster than that now. Yeah, and we've got, so, like, cheap, even cheap phones like the Realme 7 yeah. Pro is 65 watts. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is still 65, unusual. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, true. absolutely. That's, that's a, I think, an edge case, but... 20 watt is a little on the slow side. I think maybe we're beginning to see a lot of 30 watt around yeah, that space. That would have been. But, um, you know, you could still get a phone with like 5 watt micro USB charging for like 100, 150 pounds, like the gap from there up to this. So actually, like, it is still. There's a lot of variation, I guess I would say, in that space. Yeah. Um, it is a budget phone. It's just a shame, isn't it, that they didn't put the money into, you know, the, the, the budget that they had to build the phone into. Yeah. Or oh, let's make this charge really fast because it's got a massive battery. It's one of the things I wish we saw more of, which is more focusing like that and being like, you know what, this is the power. It's a big battery. It's fast charging. And the trade-off is there's only one camera lens. Yeah. You know? And like, I would rather that than them trying to be like, it's a big battery and it's got charging and it's got four lenses, but they're all terrible. And it's got, you know, and it's like, <laughs> this, yeah, exactly. This has I'd a rather they like a main lens, but like, I, I, I'm not holding out high hopes for that. Usually cheap phones with high res cameras doesn't it's mean a lot. You don't need I, I, 64 megapixels. No. The camera was the big disappointment on the G8 power for me. I, I cannot remember the specs of that camera for mm. the life of me. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. And again, it frustrated me because I think it was a triple lens camera and yeah. it was one of the ones I was using and just thinking like for the, the price they paid to put in these three bad lenses, they could have put in put one, one good one good yeah. lens and you know, one good sensor and gotten much better results and had a much better just point and shoot camera without trying to give me a wide angle and stuff that or or a um, you know, a macro lens that was was getting me very bad results anyway. Yeah, uh, Spare Cube in the in the comments has asked about how a phone like the G9 Power would handle Stadia. Um, mm. In my testing with various other phones that have like weirdly long aspect ratios, because this is a I think it's a twenty by nine aspect ratio, six point eight mm-hmm. inch display, so it's a nice big screen. It's a big phone, obviously. Uh, it's nine point something thick. Um, it's nine point <laughs> six. Uh, six millimeters thick so it is definitely Chunky. a thicker boy which is yeah. not surprising not surprising um, no no but yeah uh stadia crops it doesn't go to 21 by 9 it doesn't go that wide i think it, it does go that beyond 16 by 9 um also the display on this phone is hd plus so it's not full hd which is a, yep. i think a big disappointment for the What's price the actual resolution then uh the, so that would be 720p basically. yeah it's i don't have the, the figures plus. yeah God, it's, a, it's a, a max vision ips lcd <laughs> um so yeah trying to play like 
something like Destiny, which doesn't have a lot of text, even that, like trying to read the numbers, I reckon it'd be a bit, if it does run. Yeah. yeah. So it might not be the best choice out there around that price point. I think there'll be phones with better, like full HD screens that might just be a better shout, even if they don't have the same crazy yeah. Trade battery. off the battery power and go for a higher resolution screen. Yeah. The, the yeah. other factor there is 5G. Of course, this is a 4G phone. And yeah. if you are in an area with good 5G, then <laughs> you don't have to spend that much more than this to get a 5G phone. Mm. Um, which for Stadia or Game Pass may be a deal breaker because that frees you from relying on Wi-Fi to play it and suddenly makes it a thing you can do on the go, which you just can't practically on 4G. Yeah, there's the, I think this is designed for very specific markets. I could see it doing well in India because it's got like NFC and an FM radio, which is, I know they are features that in markets mm. like India and China that is sought after. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty middling aside from that battery. But I have, with the like hd screen not full hd i am very curious what kind of battery figures i'll get once we get it in for testing i reckon it could be a real battery champ in that regard which shouldn't be a surprise but let's kind of hope it's yeah. really good it know? will probably be a charge twice a week phone which yeah. is kind of mad uh cool i think that's enough of that yeah let's move on to our final topic for today which is looking a little bit further ahead um not that the... much further though not not that <laughs> much further no, it's actually yeah. only two months really isn't it yeah. oh, two and a bit months uh, the <laughs> Galaxy S21, maybe S30, but everyone keeps saying S21, so we reckon it's going to be called that. Um, normally, Galaxy phones are sort of mid to late February announcement, and maybe they're on sale late February, early March. But all the reckoning this year, sort of consistent leaks are pointing to January and saying that basically we're going to get a mid-January announcement. I think John Prosser just this week, said the 14th of January for yeah. an announcement event. Right in the middle. Uh, on the 29th. And out yeah. on the 29th, so by the end of yeah. the month, which is um, wild. Um, I think the, the, correct me if I'm wrong, Toddy, I think you know this phone a bit better than me, but the reckoning essentially is that this is them trying to cut into the Apple market share a bit early rather than give Apple four or five straight months between the iPhone release and, and the, the, get the S series they're just trying to eat into that period a bit more and, and get more of that time when they're the, the latest and greatest, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, that's the, the consensus that pretty much everyone I've spoken to about the rumors is kind of on the same page about. Um, and also the fact that with Huawei still kind of on the back foot, and who knows? Um, you know, people have, have <laughs> talked about Oppo stepping in there and, and taking up mm. some of that, that slack as well as Xiaomi. Um, but I think Samsung is probably best poised in a position to really step up the, the market share that Huawei can't take on right now. Yeah. Um, so that's probably why, or at least one of the, the driving forces behind bringing it forward. Like there were reports as far back as um, I think like just after the note launched um, when they were talking about the fact that the production had already started on these devices, like development mm -hmm. and, and engineering and manufacturing was already kind of in place and in play, which is earlier than it's ever been reported to be happening yeah um and yeah the the mid-january launch means it's about a month earlier than it typically would be um and that is for all three phones so we're expecting to yeah. see like this year an s21 s21 plus s21 ultra um with the same names so far i think we've even got colors someone said colors well prosser gave colors there's actually a guy previously who said colors as well um uh, and right. they are the same like so that's two different sources saying the same thing about colors uh i forgot what they are but yes so three phones um similar sizes 
Um, yeah. They don't look like huge upgrades. Um, they don't look like rewriting the rule book or anything like that. Um, one thing I'd like to say before we get in, into the specs is just while we're still on the release date question, mm. is one of the other factors that we're not really sure how big a factor it is, is the trade show dates. Because mm. that yeah, is always point. part of the rhythm of phone announcements. And, and basically, historically, phones got announced in February around EFA, around MWC, MWC, and yeah. in September around EFA. Um, and most of the manufacturers kind of followed that rhythm. But this year, MWC, or sorry, for 2021, MWC, which is normally in February, has announced it's moving to June in the hopes that that way they get to actually hold an event, um, whereas they probably wouldn't be able to in February. So that means there's no MWC in February. Samsung doesn't really do MWC anymore anyway, but it still kind of announces just around it. And some years it does MWC, some years it doesn't. But it stays kind of close to it, so it's got the show to put the phones like on display at. But without a February MWC, maybe it feels freer to move. And then on the other side of that, CES in the first week of January uh, isn't... Yeah, I think it is technically going ahead for 2021, yeah. but no in-person event. As we've seen, IFA was a fraction of the size and a fraction of the sort of high-profile announcements. CES is probably going to be the same. So maybe Samsung feel less like January will be overtaken by e by CES announcements. Maybe they feel there'll be a little more like clear air in January for them to take over January and be the, the big announcement in, in mid-January in a way that normally they might look and say, oh, no, that's too close to CES. We wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, Just as an aside there, do you think that um, the fact that so many companies are doing their own live stream launches on YouTube or whatever mm. might potentially affect trade shows uh, in the future that might, companies might say, hey, I'm yeah. going to go it alone. I'm going to I'm going to follow the lead of Samsung or whoever and say, you know, we'll, we'll have this whole launch event to ourselves. We won't be overshadowed by the fact that Sony's having a launch in an hour or whoever is, uh, you know, launching around us. I think uh, the big companies won't really need them anymore. Yeah, it'll be the smaller companies that like them because they get all the press in one place yeah. together. But then, how much that happens going forwards? I mean, there's been a wider argument, like mainly amongst journalists specifically, but I think the general kind of tech community is also positive to this, which is just is it worthwhile anymore? Like, it, mm. it is a huge amount of money and resources and time, uh, yeah. you know. We, we have been very privileged to be like flown across the world to some of these events for, you know, a, a one and a half hour like press yeah. conference. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's that's not the greenest way to it's do business. Not, no. And I think right now and in, in this world that we are currently in, like COVID aside, like that actually does seem a bit much <laughs> maybe seems sensible. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, we've we've veered off. The <laughs> we <phone>. have, yeah. <laughs> um, so. That was partly my fault, but yeah, S S twenty one. What we know when it's coming, probably. Yeah. What is coming? So uh, three phones. Yeah, three phones. Uh, screen sizes. I think it's like six point two, six point eight, and six point nine. No, six point seven and six point nine for the the standard plus mm -hmm. and the ultra. Um, so fairly similar. Very like it's really is so so similar. The, the main things we have in the in the room so far are like exact dimensions based on cab models. If you want to know exact dimensions, mm -hmm. uh, the camera bumps are a little bit different. If we're talking about the designs, so now they kind I of like them. Yeah, I, I like them a lot. Really, yeah, really nice. yeah. I wasn't sure, but I, I think I've I've settled on the side that yeah, I, I approve. So like rather than them being like a raised bump that kind of stands alone, they kind of flow in from the edge of the actual phone's frame. There's a raised bump that goes all the way in from the side. Um, um, which if you check out the article on the mm. site, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, they and, couldn't yeah. have done any worse on camera bump design 
Especially on the Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, that Ultra was uh, an ugly phone. So, like, anything they were going to do was going to be a step up for the Ultra. And yeah. I like yeah. this. It's different. It's It does feel new in a way that camera bumps rarely do feel novel or new. Yeah. This has achieved that, which is nice. It stands out a bit. Yeah. Uh, we got four colors on the S21. Gray, pink, violet, and white. We got mm-hmm. two, just black and silver, on the S21+. Plus, and black, silver, and violet on the S21 Ultra. Um, someone was made a point earlier actually noticed of like we haven't had a silver Samsung Galaxy flagship since the Note 7 I think it was mm-hmm. so if you like silver cool um, <laughs> the, the only other thing that really I think that stood out so far is of course these are going to be the phones running the next gen chips um, namely yep. the Snapdragon 875 that we are expecting to be unveiled in December mm-hmm. and the equivalent chip which is kind of being engineered sort of semi alongside it which is the samsung's own exynos i think it's the 2100 or the 1000 i've heard like different people yeah. calling it different things basically five nanometer chips um different to previous years where tsmc has been involved uh samsung apparently is manufacturing all the chips qualcomm's as well which is different um i guess that would allow for tighter integration with the exynos development as well which mm. i guess is a good thing um, you know, there's always been this disparity which we talked about between Qualcomm's top chips and the Exynos top chips, which both end up in different markets, the same phones, namely the Note and the S phones. Um, the benchmarking that has been released so far or leaked or spotted or whatever you want to call it um, has actually in certain situations put the Exynos above the Snapdragon, mm. which if true is great. If in real world that means that they both are about the same, I would be much happier with that. Even if it's not better than the the Qualcomm, I would rather that the Exynos was just comparable because right now they aren't. Um, so yeah, if we're getting different chips in different markets like we have previously, but the performance is much more like level between the the two, then I think that's a win for Galaxy S fans the world over. Basically, I mean the question really is, I, I performance wise they have been fairly equivalent for a little while. In that what you tend to see is that, um, I can't remember which way around it is, but I think the Exynoses do better on single-core performance mm-hmm. and the Snapdragons do better on multi-core. It might be the other way around, but I think it's that way around. No, that, that sounds right. Um, so generally, you know, they're, they're each better at different things, but they're kind of similar. The problem is power efficiency. Like the Samsung, the Exynoses are way less power efficient, so the, your battery life is way worse. Uh, my cause for concern here is that actually we just had a spec leak on the Snapdragon 875, which showed basically very, in fact, the exact same clock speeds as the 865, but relying on the benefits from the 5 nanometer process to sort of speed actual performance up, and that a big part of the emphasis Qualcomm is putting in this year apparently is power efficiency, which means if the Snapdragon is about to make a generational leap in power efficiency, and it's already <laughs> ahead of the Exynos, that kind of has me a little worried. For mm. the for the Exynos models, mm. yeah, you feel sorry for people who are only in the markets where that's their only choice. Yeah, uh, we th- this looks like it's going to have both. There have been models that are apparently S twenty one development units with both chips in, but there was already talk uh, this year. I think back around the time of the Note launch, um, where there was talk of Samsung just going all in on Exynos and just no longer doing Snapdragon mm. versions. Um, so. Uh, if it's not with the S range and that is actually something that holds validity, then I guess the Note range next year, the S21 Note, the Note 21, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. There is there is definitely a be careful what you wish for thing going on because we all claimed for so long about them doing different chips in different markets and 
what everyone wanted was for Samsung to ditch Exynos and do Snapdragons everywhere. <laughs> Samsung okay. has taken it the other way and said, okay, yeah, yeah we won't right. do different chips in different markets anymore. It's Exynos for everyone. Um, everyone is expecting that at some point. But mm. I, I don't, yeah, it doesn't look like this will be the, the time they make that leap. Um, I know they have a partnership with AMD, I want to say, for some chip stuff in the future. So mm. I think we're expecting to see Exynos gains in like 2022. Um, so that might be the point where they can make the jump. There's apparently some big tech they're working on with, I think, AMD. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, we do we have a sense of the camera yet? Because obviously that's always what people care about. With we, we, all we have is like the number of sensors. So both mm-hmm. the, uh, the regular S21 and the S21 Plus, I think, are both set to have just a triple camera setup. Um, mm-hmm. It looks most closely to like the Note 20 not the ultra like the camera setup looks very similar um mm. obviously it's got that corner thing but like the, the the recessed lenses it looks really similar to that so if you want to get a feel for like how it would actually look on a finished product look at the note 20 mm-hmm. um whereas the ultra similarly to last year has a i think it's a quad setup um it's speculation based on the renders that we've seen so far yeah um, which are based on camera models that there's also a tof sensor in there and it's not mm-hmm. like an additional fifth camera um there's also the in- most interesting thing is that there's two telephoto cameras potentially two periscopic telephoto cameras at mm. maxing out a different uh zoom max like that's so- a bit of a trend now isn't it to, you know that's the latest trend to go for multiple telephoto yeah lenses um, I, I, yeah. I see the benefit i guess but that's a lot of hardware and a lot of delicate potentially fail points to be putting into a camera system um but yeah i guess if you can you know because because space zoom on the ultra uh which is that 100x zoom max zoom that was obviously beyond that was just digital at that point but it was pointless like it was super pointless they realized that they reined it back in with the notes and topped out 50 times um but maybe they're going to try again and have one of those telephotos have actual glass designed to be zooming in much further than we've previously seen this is all speculation just on you know there's nothing concrete about the camera spec just the fact that we've seen that the ultra has four maybe five but probably not camera sensors on the back Mm -hmm. um another thing that i guess was talked about was the chance of an under display camera uh which is obviously something we've already seen in development from brands like xiaomi and oppo uh uh, not vivo zte actually have a phone in china which mm-hmm. you can buy with an under display camera the axon 25g yep. um it seems that because that is so cutting edge um and hard to reliably mass produce at the scale that you know samsung would need to be making s21 units it sounds like um that feature was on the phones originally in, in development and it's now been moved to uh the rumor is actually the galaxy z fold 3 which if it comes out like this year's Z Fold mm-hmm. 2 will be, you know, August time, September time, 2021. Um, and that makes sense in my he- like my head because if you're having issues with mass producing something, putting it in a device that just isn't going to have the volume of units. Yeah, but in the one that... you've only got to make 15 of anyway. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. And it's a non-issue there. So, so yeah, it, we will also, see that from... Sorry, you go. It, it also makes a bit more design sense there as a priority to... Because the the foldables still look a bit odd no matter where you put that camera because it's not going to be the same on both sides of the screen and it's just a slight asymmetry that at least bothers me yeah. uh, and i think so being able to remove that um the vision of the the internal camera actually will clean up the fold display in a way that would be quite striking that wouldn't make as big a difference yeah on, uh, on the s phones I, I guess the challenge then is there really isn't a huge amount that is 
being like generational leaps, there's not a really a lot else to talk about with the S21 range right now from what we've heard. Ooh. Uh, the rumor uh, was we'll it see. the 120 hertz screen? Was that one of the rumors? Yeah, I, I guess. I guess it, if if they yeah. can do 120 hertz and the higher resolution, because that would be the thing. Yeah, that would be the thing because that was the issue with the S20 range is that they were limited to either having that 120 hertz or that kind of 2K ish resolution. Yeah. You can choose one or other. Yes, um, and other phones. I think Oppo's Find X2 Pro let you have both on at once. Was that right, yep. Dom? You reviewed um, that. And the OnePlus 8 Pro. Right, pretty sure does, and we've had a couple others that let you do yeah. both um, this year. So yeah, it was a bit of a weird thing for Samsung. I think people found a way to force it in the settings, and, and sure, it does work, think... but it's it, it's just got to be a power thing. They clearly just decided the power drain was too much, and they didn't. Rather than letting people, for whatever reason, they decided not to give people the choice mm. of having that mode that had an intense power drain. I can only assume that's the thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what Huawei said with the uh, Mate 40 launch. They said, hey, you know, you're saying, why haven't you got 120 hertz? We can do it, but yeah. you'll get really short battery life. Pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, beyond that, I think there's been no talk of, like, exceptionally big batteries. Uh, we've no. already reported various times about Samsung's kind of move towards 25 watts and not really going much faster mm -hmm. right now. Um uh, which well, 25 watts in the box, but 45. Maybe, but the then with the, with the Note... But not, not with the base models. Yeah, with the Note 20, that wasn't even the case. It's just 25 the all the Ultra way up. Ultra did 45, though, didn't it? No, they killed that between the, the S20 oh. range had that. With the Note 20 Ultra, I'm pretty sure it just is 25 watts, even if you bought a 45 watt charger. I might be wrong. If I am, I apologize. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the things, or, or at the very least, yeah, it is a conversation that 25 watts is the most that Samsung's willing to go in box. And then we talked about it with the iPhone episode. We yeah, don't know, we might not even get a charger in the box this time. So Shreds just said that in the chat. Yeah, there is there is speculation that they're just going to follow Apple and do no charger, no headphones. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I think we called a while ago that they were going to do it. Um, yeah. Once yeah. Apple did, it was like Samsung would be the first people to just drop it because they don't tie their brand to charging speeds at all. So, uh, it, and I, I, think I, I had never really made this connection before, but I saw someone make the point, it's probably because of that phone that kept exploding. <laughs> and I never really thought about it, but yeah, that is probably the reason they what? don't want to push fast charging because they just are terrified they're going to make another one that explodes. I mean, the Note um, 8 had they they intentionally made the battery way smaller, and it yeah, was actually detrimental to the phone. Yeah, they were so scared. So yeah, I guess that's the reason, and and maybe they'll mm. just use this as a nice excuse to lean in on that stop again and just stop people talking about charging speeds and pull away from it and. Yeah, it makes sense for them. So I would expect not to see a charger. I'll be quite mm. surprised if they put chargers in the box. So that is the picture right now. Right now we have the colors. We know that there's three phones. They're going to have three to four cameras. Um, they're going to have uh, 5G. They're going to be pretty similar to what we've seen already. Maybe they'll let us do 120 hertz at full res. Yeah. Um, but most of it is speculation right now. Um, the, the fact is the, they're arriving earlier than they've ever arrived um, yep. in recent years. And that's, I think, exciting because it will, I think, affect how other manufacturers look at their launch schedules for le next year. And It's going to shake a lot of things up for yeah. other companies, yeah. Because like the, the, the Galaxy S phones are basically the Android default phone, right? Like they yeah. are the, the iPhone. Just no, no, don't have to think about it. You know, it's a solid all-rounder if you pick up a Galaxy S phone. Um, so, yeah. Oh. It gives us good reason. I think we also have reason to think there was a lot of speculation that OnePlus was going to move the 9 launch up by a month or two, um, maybe towards March. 
Uh, and OnePlus and Samsung are basically the two Android companies that consistently get leaked the absolute most. So it, I think it's just telling. They're the only ones we've heard that about because they're the ones that get leaked like within an inch of their life. But I'm confident that every other company is looking at next year and saying, hey, the normal release rhythms don't apply. When do we actually want to put our phone out? Mm. When will it actually be ready? When will there actually be a gap in, in the market and in the schedule? So, yeah, it's going to be very different next year. Mm. Uh, cool. I think that will have to do us for today. Uh, thank you, Jim, and thank you, Toddy. No and no uh, thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. We will be back next week. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on next week. PlayStation will be out in the US, but I don't think I'll have had one to, to play with. Um, and who knows? It is We are into the, the dregs of the phone release calendar as we get towards <laughs> Black Friday and Christmas. <laughs> No one wants to put anything new out. They just want to cut prices on the things that are already in the market. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll scrape right down to the bottom of the barrel for you guys. Don't worry. We'll find something. (laughs) We'll find some interesting things to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Cheers, guys. See you all next week. Bye.